committed to the Gospel of Matthew. Praise the name of the Lord. And the Bible says, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. When you got it, say so. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 says, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Father, we thank you for your word, and we humble ourselves before you this day. We honor you, Lord God, and we thank you so much because your presence is here. You've reminded us, dear God, of the one thing that we should hunger and thirst for, and that is you. And so, Father, we do hunger and thirst for you in this place. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you to speak to us this morning. We pray that you would give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church. We pray, Lord God, that we would not be idle hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of your word, that you would give us the faith to respond to you, and that we would leave this place, Lord God, encouraged, empowered, and Lord God, above all, committed to obey your word and your truth. And we thank you for this, Lord God, and we pray this all in Jesus' good name. Someone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so if you don't have an outline, would you please just raise your hand, just hold your hand up for a moment. I want to make sure that everyone gets an outline. Keep it up until you get your outline so that way the ushers know you haven't received it yet. Um, the reason why we hand out these outlines is because first and foremost, we want to make sure that you're able to take notes. We believe that it is good for us to be, um, to be good stewards of the word of God, that we are not just hearing it as I pray, and I try to pray like this weekly, um, but that we don't just hear the word, but that we respond to the word. And one of the ways that we do that, are able to do that better, is by us responding by writing notes and thinking through what we're hearing. Um, there's some questions in the outline for you, and then there's also you can follow along in the introduction of the sermon, and so that's helpful as well. And then as I always try to say, we are called to be a disciple-making church. Leo, can you lower me just a little bit? I feel like I'm kind of loud, and um, I'm like holding back, so I want to be able to get a little louder. Amen. Glory to God. So 
you know, we are supposed to be, thank you so much, we are supposed to be a disciple-making church, meaning that when we leave this place, it is not just for us to say, yo, I went to church, had a good time in worship, and, you know, heard the word preached, and that's all great, but that's not what a disciple does. A disciple leaves the house of the Lord, leaves a Bible study, and says, I want to share this with someone. I want to share what I've learned, and so for me, what, I, what I'm hoping is that as I repeat this weekly is that you really get this in your heart and in your soul and that if you have not, listen to me when I say this, if you have not yet embraced someone, just listen, I'm not asking you to have a, a church, okay? I'm asking you to have one person that you are saying, God, I want to help this person grow in their faith and that you will decide to pour into that person and I, and I pray that you will take that. If you haven't done that, if you haven't responded to that challenge yet, that you will respond to that challenge and that you utilize the notes and you know, I make it easy in one sense because I give you the, the, the ability to write down, take notes and you can sit down and just share with someone the things that you're learning and help them grow in their faith. And so I pray that you'll respond to that. And so today we are continuing in our In God We Trust series. We began last week and we talked about prayerful dependence and we dealt with prayer and how important prayer is. And so we're going to continue in this and for the next three weeks I think we'll, we'll be here dealing with our, our trust in God. And so if you look at your outline here in the last sermon we dealt with the need for prayer in the church and it being the greatest sign of our dependence upon God. What I, what I hoped, and I, and I saw many of you respond last week as, you know, I asked you to come forward as a step of faith, and, and, and many of you were saying, God, I want to respond to you. And I'm hoping that some of you were um, awakened early, amen, glory to God, I know you might have been upset if that happened to you. Um, you know, I hope some of you were kept up late, I hope some of you couldn't, I mean, you just could not rest because you felt the burden for prayer, the need for you to come in and get in with God, because that, that's my prayer when I'm talking about things like that, is that 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 would happen in your life. And so it is, it is important for us to, to think about that because when we say we depend on God, if we say we depend on him, but we don't take time out to talk to him, we don't take time out to commune with him, then do we really depend upon him? I would say no. I said that all throughout the sermon last week. I would say no, 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 no. We do not really depend on him. You can say you depend on him, but if you are not in prayer, you don't. And so this week, what we're going to look at is we're going to look at obedience being the greatest sign of our trust in God. And so prayer is being that thing that shows us that we are dependent upon the Lord. But obedience is something else, and that shows that I really trust God. Whenever I'm sitting down with someone, if I'm, you know, I can be doing a little bit of marriage counseling, um, I can be talking to someone about parenting, you know, whatever the situation is, dealing with someone about their job situation, when people start struggling with this thing called obedience, there, there, there's, there's an issue, and many times, you know, if it's in a marriage context, it's that I don't don't trust my spouse. And what I will often respond to, it is not your spouse that is the issue here. You are saying as a Christian, you don't trust God. Hear me. When you are dealing with your children, when you're dealing with parents, when you're dealing with a work situation, you can say all day long that it is a person or a situation that you do not trust when it comes to you obeying or not. And many times we justify our disobedience to God's word by saying, well, I just don't trust that person. Listen, when you disobey the word of God, you are saying you don't trust God. Hello. No matter what the context is, it is, you are saying you do not trust God. And so our vision as a church, for those of you that have been through the vision carry orientation, our vision as a church, for those of you that are members, you should know this, our vision is to please God in all that we do. 
to please God. And that this, the, the reason why I even started Faith Thoma Fellowship was because I, had, I, I was reading through, meditating on, and, and I came to Hebrews 11.6. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. But those who come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, right? Those who diligently seek him. He's a, that, that's the only reason why we're even here today is because 14, 15 years ago, as I was in prayer and worshiping God, God began to burn this scripture in my heart and was calling me as his son to please him by faith and to obey him. And that's what he was saying. He wasn't saying, son, feel something good. He was saying, son, walk with me through this. Walk with me into my will. Walk with me into my purpose. Walk with me into what it is that I've called you to do. And so years later, I'm here and I go back to that scripture continuously over and over again because I am reminded that there is one thing that I want to burn in my heart and that I pray burns in the heart of every person that sits before me week in and week out and it is that you would have a desire to please God that when you walk out these doors that everything that you do that you would say God I want to please you I want to honor you and so here's the question the question is how do we demonstrate this faith that pleases God because it said this it said without faith it is impossible to please God Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And you'll notice where that verse is placed. It is placed in Hebrews chapter 11. And I may go through this in the new year and just kind of walk through this. Many people have coined this the hall of faith. Not the hall of fame, but the hall of faith. Because through this, the writer of the book of Hebrews, he decides to outline the lives of many people whom God has called into faithful living. And what he does is he communicates and he shows them that there are certain people that lived a certain way. But here's what I want you to know. It wasn't just about feelings. Amen. It wasn't just about what they were feeling. It was about their actions. And we'll look at that a little bit more. And so how do we do this? And so in the second paragraph, if you looked at faith, the last part of that paragraph, faith is demonstrated in our obedience to God's word. Faith is demonstrated in our obedience to God's word. In the days we live in, third paragraph here, in the days that we are living, we desperately need a church who refuses to to compromise the truth in practice as well as in proclamation. Did you hear that? In practice as well as in, in proclamation. You know, many times you hear people say, you know, that we need to practice what we preach, right? Amen. You never heard that? Yeah, you never said that? You know, I mean, I mean, I know, you know, sometimes you have a conversation with someone, they're trying to tell you how to live, and you're like, you need to practice what you preach. Hello. I heard a preacher say one day, he said, listen, I don't practice what I preach. I preach what I practice. You'll get that. I preach what I practice. Christians, that's what we need to do. We need to proclaim what we are practicing. We need to speak to people, not about how they should live, but about how we are living. See, it's, it's easy for us to go ahead and, and proclaim and tell you, hey, man, you know, you need to clean that room up. Hello, somebody. But, but come check out my room. <laughs> Preaching what we're practicing is what we need to come to that point of. You see, no matter the cost, we must be willing, last part of this paragraph, we must be willing to stand upon the word of God as our final and highest authority, regardless of where it leads us, knowing that God will be with us wherever he sends us. Did you hear that? Listen, following God's word is not always easy. Hello. 
Following God's word sometimes costs us a lot. Following God's word sometimes is painful, but the beauty of it is, is that God will be with us every step of the way that we choose to obey him. Are you hearing me? Listen, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you're going through. If you are standing on God's word, God says, I'm going to walk with you. That's the encouragement of the day. Listen, that's that, you know, you know, I don't have, I, I don't like to do a lot of encouraging. Amen. But that, that's my encouragement here, right? I got a smile on my face. Hey, you know, right? God says he is going to be with you every step of the way when you choose to obey him. Now, as we see in this story here, when we look at Peter, you know, some moments seem like, well, where was God at? Not sure where God was, but the reality is God was with him, right? And when he was walking on that water. And so we're going to look at that. But here's the big idea that I want you to get for the day. To walk by faith is to walk in obedience to the Lord, even when you're unsure. I'll say that again. The big idea, that the big point that I want you to get today is to walk by faith, because today I'm talking about faith walk. To walk by faith is to walk in obedience to the Lord, even when you're unsure. Even when you're not 100% positive or not 100% sure of everything going on around you, this is what it means for us to walk by faith, for us to live. We're supposed to live by faith, not by sight. Amen? We're supposed to walk according to the standards of God's word. That's what God calls us to do. And so the first thing I'm going to ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, obedience will oftentimes lead us into turbulence. Obedience oftentimes will lead us into turbulence. Look at this verse with me in, in verse 22, and let's read this together. We'll read verse 22 to verse 24 so we can kind of break that down. It says, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the, and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And so if you look back, if you look up, you, you know, some of your Bibles have little headings there. You'll see over verse 13, it says the feeding of the 5,000 there. And so what happened is Jesus had just finished feeding over 5,000 people with this miraculous work and Jesus immediately when that is done he sends his disciples away he says listen I want you guys to go I want you guys to go forward I want you guys to to go ahead of me so he sends them away and he goes on and says in verse 23 he says and when he had sent the multitudes away he went up on the mountain by himself to pray now when evening came he was alone there and so in verse 24 it says, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. And so we see this beautiful picture of, of Jesus up, right? He's above. He's praying for his disciples and, and, or he's praying, he's seeking God. And his disciples are down in this, in this sea and they're rowing, rowing, rowing and things are getting rough. Now, I want, you to, I want you to notice the beautiful picture that there is here that God gives us because it is the same today. The Bible says that Jesus is our mediator. He is living ever to intercede for us. And so Jesus is above interceding for you and I while we are where? While we are down here in this earth, while we are fighting the good fight of faith, while we are pressing on through storms and trials, while we're going through whatever it is we're going through. Jesus is above, and so we as the church are down here fighting against sin, fighting to reach the lost. We're fighting to be a light that shines in the midst of a dark world. We're fighting for situations that we're facing. We're going through stuff, but the beauty is Jesus. And I love when we say this. I love when we pray this. My wife encouraged us in this way. It was to let everyone know, listen, no matter what chaos is going on around us, Jesus is still on his throne. No matter what difficult. See, here's the thing. You know, a, a lot of times, and I've used this analogy before, if you took a quarter in your hand, now everybody knows this, right? A quarter is smaller than the sun, amen? 
But let me ask you a question. Can you use a quarter to block the sun out of your eye? If you get that quarter close enough, you'll see nothing but that quarter. Are you here? And see, it's the same thing with us in our lives because many times that's what we're doing is we are bringing our problems into focus all the time and we're, and we're not seeing the sun, the S-O-N, not the S-U-N. We're not seeing the sun who is interceding, who is praying for us, who tells us continue on in the fight, continue. We don't, we don't see that. See, we're talking about this faith walk, right, and how we walk by faith. And so we see Jesus. He's enthroned in glory. And I want you to notice when Jesus sends his disciples, right, he sends his disciples away prior to. Say prior to. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't um, tell his disciples, hey, guys, there, there's a storm that is coming right now. Like he didn't wait until the storm happened to then tell him, hey, I want you guys to get on the boat. Amen. He didn't do that, right? He didn't, he didn't tell them, hey, I want you guys right now in the middle of this torrential downpour to go and get in this boat and start rowing. That isn't what happened. He goes ahead, feeds the 5,000, and he says, all right, I want you all to go ahead of me. So he goes ahead, he sends the 5,000 away, and then he goes into a mountain to pray, and it says it's evening time, and all of a sudden Jesus is by himself, and his disciples are rowing, and the storm starts. The same thing with our lives. It's typical for us, right, that God calls us. I mean, I can tell you from starting a church and, you know, being married, having children, you know, all of these different, time, you know, um, t- um, times in our lives. Look, there are moments, right, God usually calls us and, and, and it's like everything seems real great. And you're like, yo, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be amazing, right? I mean, you see it. I mean, you can see the glory. It's like, hey, go meet me on the other side. You're like, yes, Jesus, I am running with you right now. I cannot wait to get on this boat. I'm just saying, is that not true? Like, I, I mean, you, you feel like everything is going to be great. And then all of a sudden, a storm rises out of nowhere. It doesn't, I mean, just out of nowhere. You know, when you were on the Sea of Galilee, when you, when you were over there, it was, it was typical that at any moment, a storm could just rise up. Leo, lower me a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit, man. No, no, I'm not good. I feel, I feel, I feel too loud. I'm just saying I, I, have to, I have to feel comfortable or else I can't, I, can't, I can't get excited, glory to God. But here's the thing. It was typical. Thank you, man. It, it is typical. You're doing such a great job. It's just so clear, bro. I just, I, I need to bring it down. But here's the thing. It, is, it was typical in the Sea of Galilee that what would happen is that people would, you, you would be out there and all of a sudden out of nowhere, a storm would just come. Just out, it's kind of like Florida. Hello. You know? Like you're having a great day, it's sunny, and all of a sudden you see a cloud. Like why? Why are you ruining my day, cloud? You know, rain, rain, go away, come back some other day. I mean, just that kind of, I mean, I'm just, I just be upset. Like I put on my white sneakers because it looked like a beautiful day outside. And if y'all know anything about me, like I have idols, right, on my feet. Like when I put on my whites, I'm like, I, just, I mean, I walk like this. I'm like, I don't, I don't bend, I don't crease my shoes. I'm just saying, I have issues, pray for me. But anyway. And my son, he's helping me be delivered from, this, from these idols because he's around me and he is stepping on my shoes constantly. And I'm always like, son, why must you step on my shoes? And the father's like, I put him there to help you out. So anyway, you know, but it's like Florida, right? I mean, it's like just out of nowhere. I remember being a little kid and we'll be playing football and, and we'll be, you know, running the street. And, you know, in Florida, I don't know if it's like this in any other state, but I know in Florida, like, you can literally see the rain. You can see the wall of the rain, like, coming. And we used to try to run to see if we could outrun that rain, and we never did. But nonetheless, that's what we did. But that's how it was on the Sea of Galilee. 
It was the same way. And so everything could look clear. Everything looked beautiful. Yo, this is a great day to go for a little boat ride or whatever. And all of a sudden, the storms would just come out of nowhere. And so notice that, that Jesus sends him over there before the rain comes. But then the scripture says in verse 24, it says, but the, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Say contrary. The word contrary there, it means over against, uh, it, it means an opponent, it means against their forward progress. As they were trying to get where Jesus called them, hear me, get, get, get in, this, in this mindset with me. As they were on their way to where Jesus called them to be, just like you, as you are on your way where Jesus called you to be, he just said go to the other side, right? It wasn't like a, you know, it didn't, didn't see, but Jesus said it, so it's got to be important, Amen. Right? That there's something on the other side. But the same way that this happens, all of a sudden, there is this contrary wind that comes again. So it's in your marriage, right? We just did our sacred marriage. How many of y'all enjoyed sacred marriage? Give God a hand if you enjoyed that, right? For those of you that went, couples that. I was so blessed. I mean, we had, a, we had a whole bunch of people that were in here for our sacred marriage. We learned some good stuff. Glory to God. How important prayer is. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh-huh. Praise the name of Jesus. See, for those of you who are like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. It's all right. Y'all learned last week prayer is important. The married couples learned my prayer was important. Amen. But here's the thing, right? We have, you know, this, this calling from God, right? He, he calls us in our marriage to go, to go to where God calls you. And then all of a sudden, this contrary wind rises up. But it's not just like a little, no, no. It's this wind that is tossing them to and fro, back and forth. So the question is, do we really trust in God? Are we going to continue pressing forward or are we going to say, yo, man, this is too rough? Same thing at work. You know how it is. I, I, I love this analogy. You get that job and you're like posting on Facebook, amen, God provided. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. I mean, you're PTLing all over the place. You'll get that too. PTL. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. <laughs> you're PTLing, hashtagging. I mean, you're like, Glory, God is good and all this stuff. And then a week later. We in prayer circle. Pray for me because my job, amen. <laughs> a month later, six months later, you're like hurt. You're like, man, that's this boss of mine, just the devil. I'm just, I thought that was God the other day. I thought, I thought you loved this man or this woman, right? But all of a sudden, right, things changed, right? Suddenly, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hot. But the point is that there's something contrary. And if you're a boss in here, I'm sorry, but that's just how your employees look at you sometimes. Sometimes, Amen. But here's the thing. The thing is, we have, to ha we have to understand that there's going to be these contrary winds that are going to blow our way. And so notice this. While Jesus is in the process of developing our faith walk, our faith must be firmly rooted in him. And it doesn't just grow. Hear me when I say this. It doesn't just grow by hearing the word of God, but by obeying the word of God. Did you hear me? Now, now Romans tells us faith comes. Say faith comes. Faith comes by hearing. It doesn't say faith grows by hearing. Did you hear me? It does not say faith grows by hearing. It says faith comes by hearing. And so what happens is, as the word of God is being spoken into our lives, there is something that's happening. Faith is coming with the word of God, right? As the word of God, God is God, God, God by his spirit. The word of God says that all scripture is divinely breathed in, or God breathed in. That's that word, theopneustos, right? It's divinely breathed in. And what I, what I, what I want you to see is that any time that you or I are before the word of God, what you are literally doing is you are 
literally allowing God to breathe into you as he is speaking to you concerning his word and his will for your life. It's the same thing when you are hearing the word of God being preached. God is breathing along with the command, the faith to obey. Are you here? He's giving us the ability. In context, Romans is talking about the faith for salvation. And so we understand that. And so as the gospel, that's why the Bible says, that's why Paul said earlier in Romans, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Because what? Along with the preaching of the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ is what? The ability for someone to come to faith. Because what? The word of God is living and active according to the book of Hebrews. And so what we know is that God's word is living, God's word is moving, God's word is active in our lives. And so what happens is we, we cannot get, we, we have to get delivered from this mindset. Let me tell you one of the biggest things that the church of today suffers from. And I wish I had some way to coin some cute phrase or something like that. I'm going to just call it hearing-itis. Hello. Just call it that. We'll just call it that. It's that they think because they've heard a message. They think because they've been to a Bible study. They think because they learned some new truth that that's all that it is. That that's all that they have to do. There's no living out faith. But let's turn, turn with me real quick. Hold your place there in, in, the gospel of, uh, in the gospel of Matthew. But I want you to turn to the book of James so you can see that this is not just my words, but somebody else had something to say about that that's a little bit more spiritual than me. Amen. A little bit older than me, this guy was actually published in the Bible, glory to God. He made the cut. So I think his words hold some weight, right? He was inspired by God to communicate. By the way, just so you know, they almost threw the book of James out of the Bible. They almost did, whether you believe it or not. They almost did because they were like, man, is he contradicting Paul? Because Paul was talking about the just shall live by faith and, you know, being justified by faith. But then James comes over here, the brother of Jesus, he comes over and he says, hold on a second. He's like... Faith without works is dead. And it wasn't a contradiction, it's a compliment. And, and, I think, and, and, and I think one of the reasons why the Holy Spirit inspired James this way is because he was the brother of Jesus. Are you, are you catching that? Because he heard the word of God continually, but he didn't listen to it. He didn't obey it. He was always questioning it. He, he was not changed by the word of God until the word of God did what? The word of God died, rose again, and went to glory. Then James became a believer, an apostle, and began, a, began to be a preacher of this word. And so let's look at James chapter 1. We're going to read verse 21. We're going to read a few verses because I really want you to be highly convicted. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 21. I think the Bible says it better than me anyway. It says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And so, but, so James goes and he tells them, listen, I want you to receive the word. Listen, so what I want you to understand, hear me when I say this. It is often been communicated, and I will say this clearly. You can come to God as you are, but God will not leave you as you are because he loves you too much. Are you here? And once you come to God, once you come to him, you don't just come to him as you are every day and just act like I can just live unholy. There has to be some things. And he says what? He says, lay aside. So when I come to God, I have to lay aside some stuff. I can't just live how I want to live. I have to lay some things aside because I can't receive. Hear me when I say this. If you are holding on to your sin, you cannot hold on to God's word. Did you, did you get that? If you, are not, if you are holding on to your sin, if you are holding on to your excuses, listen, you're going to have to let go of something. It's either going to be God's word or your excuses and your sin. Are you here? 
And so you can't. So he says this. He says, lay aside these things. So that, and, and then he says, and receive with meekness, with a humble heart, the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And look what he goes on to say. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Look what he says there. Deceiving yourselves. You need to highlight that. I'm done preaching. Amen. <laughs> Enough said. You hear that? Be doers of the word, not hearers only. He didn't just stop there. He says, deceiving yourselves. You know why? Because in those days, we're no different than our days. There were people that were sitting in congregations who were hearing the word, but they were not doing the word, and they were deceiving themselves. And James is like, no, don't deceive yourself. Don't think that because you heard a sermon, don't think because you were under a preaching or a Bible. No, don't think that that was enough. Don't deceive yourself. He goes on to say, he said, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he is observing himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, say continues in it, it's not just about hearing the word of God. It's continuing in the word of God. And it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. The word of God calls you to work. Amen. This one will be blessed in all that he does. That's good stuff, right? Of course it is the word of God. Right? It's God's word. And if I want to see the fruit of God's word in my life, then i got to commit to obeying the word of God. But I'm not done there because James ain't done there. So turn, look over just right to the next chapter, verse 14 to verse 16, or, or, or verse 26. Look what he said here. He says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the, for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith also, by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. I love this. This, is, this has to be the most convict, one of the most convicting verses in the Bible. Verse 19. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even demons believe and tremble. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. I love that. He said, you believe, you, you do well. You do, oh, great. He's like applauding them, right, in this. He's like, great job. You believe. Awesome. You're right up there with the demons. That's what he's saying. And listen, if you're sitting in here, <laughs> right, <laughs> if you're sitting in here and you say you believe, oh, amen, you better check yourself, glory to God. Because if all I'm doing is believing, but I'm not living, then there's an issue. If all I'm doing is, is hearing the word of God, it's all, if all I'm doing is saying yes, amen, yes, amen, but I'm not doing, listen, your life needs to be a yes and amen. That's what needs to be happening here. And so James goes on. He says that in verse 19. He says in verse 20, he says, But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? 
Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by works faith was made perfect and the scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. And listen, this is not, let me say this, this is not a workout, you know, a working for your salvation. That's not what James is trying to communicate here. What James is saying, he's saying that if you are really saved, you're going to work it out. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look, if you really have faith, the outflow of that faith is that you are living the word of God, that you are living the way that God calls you to live. And so don't let anyone give you some false security because you said a prayer one day or because you've been attending church or because you got some doctrine right because that's not what it's about. It is about the demonstration that is in my life, the fruit that is there. Here's the thing. I mean, when Jesus talks about these people in, 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 in Matthew chapter 7 and he says, look, many will come to me in that day and say, to me did we not prophesy in your name did we not cast out devils in your name did we not do great works in your name and he's going to tell them part from me i never knew you listen you worker of iniquity are you hearing me these are these are real scriptures so it's people that look like christians it's people who acted like christians people who seem to be gifted like christians but there was a problem because there were some works that were lacking they were not living out the scriptures and so he goes on to say in verse 22 he says, I mean, in, in verse, I'm sorry, verse 24, he says, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise, was, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out, at, out another way? And look at verse 20, 26 here. It says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And so what I hope you get here is that the first thing here is obedience will oftentimes lead us into turbulence. It will lead us into hardship. And what we need to be committed to is obeying the word of God no matter where we go. Second thing that will go in the next two points will not be as long. Um, but here's what it says. Say this with me. Turbulence allows opportunities for greater obedience. Turbulence allows opportunities for greater obedience. We're talking about we trust in God. In God, we trust. And so what does hardship do? What do trials do? They allow for greater obedience. Because it is easy. Now listen, okay, it is easy to obey God when the waters are still and when the playing field is even, not so much when the storms hit. Are you here? It's easy to say, God, I'm following you all the way. You know, we heard, we, we, we were listening, for those of you that didn't come to the, to, the, to, the marriage, to the marriage thing or couldn't come because maybe you're not married or whatever the case is, there was, a, there was a story of a man and a woman that were engaged to be married, and I won't tell the story in its totality, but what happened is the man was severely burned to the degree that they had to chop off one arm, one arm, well, both of his arms and one of his legs. And it was before they got married, and the wife had to make a decision, the fiance had to make a decision. It wasn't a wife yet. She wasn't a wife. She had to make a decision, would she marry him and serve him for the rest of her days, or would she go on ahead and say, nah, man, I can't do it. And for the glory of God, she decided there's no way that I'm going to say no to the one I already said yes to. And she decided that she was going to walk into this. But can I tell you something? She didn't foresee that happening. She didn't know that when she said yes to the proposal that he made, that this accident was going to occur. Everything looked beautiful. Listen, and I love marriage. I love talking about marriage because marriage is a place. I mean, we learned this. Marriage is a place where you become more and more like Jesus. Amen. 
or not. Hello, somebody. And then we know that as well, glory to God. But here's the thing. <laughs> and so... <laughs> And so ultimately, what we have to do is we have to, we have to come to this place to say, okay, dude, do I want to become more like Christ? Because when I'm going through this hardship, everything looks beautiful before the hardship comes. Everything looks great before the hardship arises, but then all of a sudden, hardship arises, and the question is, what am I going to do? Because let me tell you something. When things get unfair, when things get difficult, that's the place where the enemy, where the enemy whispers to you, did God really say that? That's the place where the enemy says to you, where is your God now? Hello. That's the place where the enemy comes at you and says, how can a good God allow you to go through this? It's that place that the enemy comes. And it's at that place that you have to make a decision. Who are you trusting? And so look, at, look, look back at, at, um, at Matthew chapter 14, verse 25 to 29. Let's look at what happens here. He says, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. Walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear, but immediately, I, I love that, they cried out for fear. I was going to bring like 12 men up here. And so you can get a picture of this, right? Like just think about like just 12 dudes, right? Just, as a matter of fact, I'm going to call 12 guys up here real quick. I'm going to just do it. I just want to do it right now. So Eric, come up here. Pastor Aldo, come up here. Alex, come up here. Come on, I want you to get up here. Anthony, come up here. I need some big guys, right? George, come up here. Come on, y'all come up here. Come up here. I, I, I got to come. <laughs> Dave, Dave, come up here. You're big, bro. Isaac, Isaac, come on. Come up here. Come on. We got, hold on. How many we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Juan, come up here, bro. Come up here. Come up here. Come up here. Eli, come up here. Big, big guys. Big guys, right? Is there, is there someone? Josh, Josh, come up here. Come up here. Come up. Come up here. We need the big guys. Big guys, right? So I want you. How many? How many we got? How many we got? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We got ten. That's all right. It's eleven, right? I'm gonna join the big guys. Glory to God. Roly, come up here. Let's get 12. Let's get 12. Let's get it right. So we got it. Jonathan, come up here. I'm going to just come up here. I'm not going to be one of the 12. I'm, I'm going to tell the story. Y'all going to act the story out. Glory to God. So these guys, so get like, get bunched up together like if y'all were on a boat, like going in that direction. So like you got to be like kind of side by side, right? So, so we got these 12 yoked dudes, right? And they just row, row, rowing, right? The story. <laughs> now, 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 hold up, hold up. Pause, pause the row, pause the row. Hold up. Now, 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 what I want you to see is you got these 12 big dudes. Now, let me ask you all something, just straight up. How many of you all would ever cry out in front of another guy? <laughs> Every one of these guys, I promise you, if they were watching a sad movie or something sad was happening, they'd be like, oh my, <clears throat> you know, they, they, they would not be crying. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says these 12 dudes were rowing. Go ahead and row. Come on, get the row back on. They're rowing. <laughs> The wind is blowing at them. And all of a sudden, I'm going to play Jesus right now. All of a sudden, Jesus starts walking. And these guys' eyes start opening up, right? So these guys are like, and he's walking toward them. And they get scared. And the Bible says they cried out. Come on, cry like you're scared. Come on, cry. So. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So. <laughs> come on, give these guys a hand. Y'all go ahead and sit down. Good job. I'm glad it all came together, glory to God. Ro Ro Roley gets an A. He's like the best actor. I'm just saying, he's awesome. 
Rhoda, you're in every drama I ever do from now on. I just want you to know. But ultimately, these 12 guys, these, I mean, these guys were fishermen. These guys were men's men, right? I mean, when Jesus was about to get killed, Peter's trying to chop people's heads off. I mean, these are guys, right? And, and they, were, they were crying out because they were so afraid. They're in the midst of this boat. The, the winds are coming against them. I mean, it is hardcore against their lives. And God, and God is walking on the water because of what? Because he wants to show them something. And you know, it's funny because I think a lot of times God may want to show us something, but we get scared. Are you here? I think sometimes God wants to show us something about himself, but we are afraid. And rather than crying out to God and for God, we just cry out about the situation. There's a difference between us crying out to God, us crying out for God, and us just crying out out of fear. Are you here? They were afraid, they were, they were scared, but God wanted to show them something. And so turbulence allows for greater obedience. What I love is that if you continue reading here, it says in verse 26, it says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, obviously he had to be relatively close to them. He said, be of good cheer or be of good courage. That's what he tells them. It is I or I am. Do not be afraid. And in verse, I love verse 28. Peter, you know, he's the guy that walks in every room mouth first, right? So that's him. And so Peter's like, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you. I'm wondering if like after he said that, he was like, why did I say that? <laughs> I'm just thinking like, you know, probably wasn't the smartest thing at that moment, you know, because the storm is still happening. You know, I'm trying to figure out like, how did Peter step down? I mean, has anybody ever tried, anybody ever been on a boat? Raise your hand if you've been on a boat, All right? So that's most of you, right? And so, I mean, just imagine trying to step out of a boat onto some water. That's just crazy. But Peter is like, Lord. If it's you, call me. And you know what Jesus says? Come. Peter was like, why? Why did you have to say come? I don't know if he was like that. But all I know is that the scripture goes on to say, and it says here, it says, and Peter says that in verse 29, it says, so he said, Jesus, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, I want you to know that, you know, although we see some other stuff that's going to happen in a moment, well, I want you to realize that Peter did walk on this water. The only two people that I know of that have walked on water, that's Jesus and Peter. Amen. And so he's experienced something that most of us will never experience. Listen, I'm not telling you we're all going to walk on water. Amen. I want you to know that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that in this moment here, we have Peter who has, this, who has this time. And too many of us feel like turbulence is an excuse to quit, even use it as a sign to quit. However, Jesus' words and direction never changed for his disciples. Never, never did, he, did he tell his disciples, hey, I don't want you guys to go to the other side. He never told them that. And what happens here is this, is that we see one word from God, one word. Jesus said one word. He didn't give him a long dissertation. He didn't say Peter. He didn't give him a bunch of instruction. He said one word, come. And based on one word, Peter moved. Can I tell you something, church? We have much more than one word to stand on. We have much more than one word to stand on, no matter what we're facing in our lives. We have the word of God. We have 66 books of God's word, God's testimony, God's revelation to us, so that way we can do what? So that way we can walk to him whenever he calls us. So we can continue forward through whatever it is that we're facing so that we, we can respond when God calls us to do things that, you know, sometimes we're like, I mean, really, you know, Peter, I, I don't know. I really don't know why Peter said that, but I don't know that he really thought Jesus was going to say that. I'm just saying, I don't know. You know, he'd been rebuked before, like Satan, get behind me. Maybe Peter was like, Jesus is going to just rebuke me right now. 
But Peter, stop being in the flesh so much, man. Let me get back in this boat with you guys so I can get you where you need to go. I don't know what Peter was thinking, but all that I know is that God gave him one word and Peter walked on that word. Peter took steps on that word and he continued forward. The third thing that I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, our obedience will always be met by God's faithfulness. That's encouraging. Our obedience will always be met by God's faithfulness. The moment that you say yes to God and every step you take, God says, I will be faithful. I'm going to be faithful. Let's read it together. Let's see what happens here. So he goes on and he says this in verse 30. Now, we know that he walked because it says that. It says that he walked down, he got out of the boat, and he walked on the water. We don't know how long he walked. He could have walked, uh, you know, he could have walked 10 steps. He could have walked 50 steps. He could have walked 100 steps. But what we do know is that he walked. But look what it says in verse 30. It says, but when he saw, say when he saw. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And so what we see here is that God is not looking for, hear me when I say this, God is not looking for perfect obedience. If he was, he wouldn't be able to use any of us. Are you here? God isn't looking for perfect obedience. None of us are going to be perfect in our obedience. None of us are going to obey God perfectly, right? None of us are going to do that because we're going to fall short. We're going to have moments of doubt. We're going to have moments of fear. We're going to have moments where our faith wavers. That's going to happen. But the beauty of it is, is that God is not looking for perfect obedience. He is looking for people who will obey him. That's what, he's, that's, what, that's what he's looking for. What he's looking for is he's looking for people who are willing to overcome their unbelief in light of his word. Did you hear me? He's looking for people who will overcome their... See, there are moments in our lives, especially, listen to me when I say this, especially when we're going through hardship. When we, see, we're just like Peter. Do you hear that? We're just like him. We get moments, glimpses of the glory of God, moments of encounter with God that move us to say, God, call me and I'll come. We get moments of encounter with God that we feel so motivated, we feel so stirred, we feel like, man, I know this is the right time. I know this is the right move. I know this. Now, now mind you, just like Peter, we're in the middle of a storm like no other. We're in the middle of a hardship. We just finished crying out like, I don't want to say like a girl because, you know, but I'm just going to say it like that, all right? Like, like we'll say a little girl. Amen. <laughs> little girl, right? Because big girls, they, don't, they, they, they strong, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I, anyway, I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to just leave it right there, right? Like but crying, there you go, crying out like a baby, right? Just like, you know, these guys just did that. Jesus says, be of good cheer, be, you know, be, be encouraged. And then he says, Lord, if it's you, call me. Jesus says, come. It's like everything stopped at that moment. Because of what? Because of the encounter he was having with Jesus. Because of the encounter he was having with Jesus, everything stops and Jesus says, and, and Jesus says come. And Peter's like, he steps out of a boat. Like I said, most of us have been on a boat. It's difficult to step down in a boat when the water is still much less in the midst of a storm, to step out of a boat. But Peter manages to step out of the boat, steps onto the water. He begins to walk. And look, he knows God called him. He knows God's with him. But then what happens? 
he notices again, wait a second, the storm hasn't stopped. Can I tell you something? This is our issue. Our issue is we want to obey God's word, but we want God to stop all of the surrounding situations. And God says, obey my word. Don't worry about the situation. Obey my call. Don't worry about what's going on around you. Obey my call. Get the quarter out of your eye. Focus in on me. Walk this thing the way I've called you to walk. Come to me the way I've called you to come. Obey me the way I've called you to come. Listen, the storm is going to continue around you, but I'm with you in the midst of the storm. The same way that I'm walking on the water, the same way you saw me do that, is the same way I want you to walk with me through this storm of your life. But we're just like Peter. We get excited, we get motivated, and then all of a sudden we realize nothing's changed. Oh, something changed. God gave you a word to stand on. God called you. God revealed himself in the midst of the storm that he's there. He simply says, come. But you know what the beauty of this is? Here's the beauty of the story. The beauty of the story is, is that when Peter notices everything is still boisterous and still crazy all around him, you know what he does? He cries out to the Lord, says, Lord, save me. And you know what Jesus does? He says, nah, bro. Why, why are you looking at the storm? I thought you were coming to me. That isn't what Jesus says to him. Jesus does what? Immediately. Say immediately. 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 Jesus reaches out his hand, pulls the guy up, and then he tells him, oh, ye of little faith. Listen, some of us need to hear that. Oh, ye of little faith. Where is your faith in the midst of the storm? I already gave you my word. Stand on it. I already, t I already showed you who I was. Follow, focus in on me. That's what Jesus is, call is calling his church to do. When we say we trust in God, obedience is the way that we are supposed to obey. Listen, in a culture that wants the church silent, in the face of an enemy that wants to hinder the gospel, in the midst of our different trials of faith, hear this, when we obey, even when we lose sight of the one who called us, Jesus won't allow us to drown. That's the beauty of this. Now listen, he may not deliver you the way you want to be delivered. He may not answer your prayer the way you want him to answer your prayer. Listen, I've had plenty of those prayers, and I know some of you are in here, you're like, yeah, man, I've been praying for the same thing over and over again, and it's still the same way. Yep, I know. And I wish that I had some kind of magic wand. Actually, I don't wish I had the magic wand. I used to wish I had a magic wand so your life would be perfect or it wouldn't have that trial in your life. But you know what? This is what I know. What I know is that God is sovereign. And if there is a trial that you are walking through in your life, he's got you, and he's going to walk with you through it. And, he, and he's teaching you something that, listen, he may not be teaching your neighbor. I know you wish your neighbor could take this test. I know. I know you wish someone else could go through this trial. And you know what? I wish someone else could go through this trial. But what I know is this, is that I do trust the word of God. And it says what? It says that all things, say all things. It didn't say some things. It said all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. It didn't say all things feel good. It doesn't say that. It didn't say all things are amazing. It doesn't say that. It didn't say all things are understood. No, it says all things work together for good. And so here, I'm talking about our faith walk. And so here's my question. My closing question is this. What area of your life is God calling you into deeper obedience? So last week we talked about prayer. We talked about coming to that place of prayer. So this week I want to ask you, what area of your life is God saying, I want you to walk in deeper obedience? What area of your life is God saying, listen, and you know, for some of us, we have our little boats, you know, our little places of comfort. And God is like, look, I want you to step out of that. 
Because as long as you remain in that, as long as you stay in there, as long as you stay focused in on whatever it is that you are facing, you know what? You're going to continue to go through that thing, and you're never going to experience what I want you to experience with me. And I want, I want to make it crystal clear. I want to say it one more time. The storm never stopped. The only thing that changed was Jesus revealed himself and gave Peter the word to stand upon. That's all that changed. The storm continued. But I love at the end of what happens because at the end, you know what happens? When he gets in the boat, the others came to him. They fell down and they worshiped him. They said, truly, you are the son of God. See, when God is calling us to step out in faith, when he's calling us to trust him, and when he's, when, when he's calling us into those places, you know, you know what's beautiful is that he wants to reveal himself to a world that needs his revelation. He wants to, listen, he wants you and I to have the opportunity to share this glorious and wonderful gospel with a hurting world. That's what he wants. He, wa he wants us to be able that when people are watching us walk through this, when people are watching us go through whatever it is that we're going through, and listen, it's not that you're going to have a smile on your face every time. Hello, somebody. It's not that you're going to feel perfect and uppity. I'm not telling you to fake it. Hello. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply telling you to trust God for who he is. And as you walk through this, God will, I promise you, he will allow others to see this and be like, wow, this person walked through this and then give you the opportunity to share that hope of Jesus Christ. Give you the opportunity to share that wonderful gospel with someone that, listen, we are all sinners separated from God on our way to hell and cannot save ourselves, cannot do righteously on our own. But guess what? The reason why I have hope today is because he died on the cross for me. He died on the cross for you, for your sin. He shed his blood for your life. He laid down his life so that you would no longer have to walk through all of these trials alone. He didn't say he was going to cancel out every trial, but he promised you at the moment you put faith in him, he would walk with you through every one of them. That's a beautiful thing, to be able to share that hope and offer that hope to others and say, listen, he died on that cross. He wills that none would perish, but that all would come to the saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. To be able to have that heart. Listen, that is, listen, I want you to know this. In my heart of hearts, it's never ever about just us feeling better. It's about why God wants us to walk with him. And it's not just for us. It's for a world that needs him. Are you here? It's for a world that needs him. God wants to comfort us for sure. God wants to strengthen us for sure. God wants us to walk with him by faith for sure. But there is a world that needs this gospel. And it is only through lives of people who decide, I'm going to obey. I'm going to walk with him that that happens. Amen? Come on, let's all stand to our feet. Bow your heads with me. Listen, so where is it that God is calling you to obedience? Every eye closed, every head bowed, please. Where is it that you know, that you know, that you know, that God is saying, I want you to trust me? Think about that. And now you know that you thought about it. Where is it that God is saying, I want you to trust me? You thought about it. Now, now here's the question. Will you trust him? Will you step out of your boat and say, God, I want to place my trust in your word today. Today, I want to trust you. With whatever that situation is, whatever, whatever, whatever the area is that God is asking you to trust him. 
Will you say yes? And listen, because Peter stepped out of the boat, I'm going to ask you to step out of your seat. If you say, God, I heard you today. God, I heard you today. And I want to step out of my boat. I want to step out of my place of comfort. I want to say, I'm going to trust you. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Step out of your seat where you're at. Step out of your seat. Come forward as a sign of faith, saying, God, I want to trust you. I want to trust you today. And if you don't know Jesus in this place, that's the biggest step that you need to make. If Jesus is not Lord of your life, if you have not put your faith in Christ, today, today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, on this this altar here, let's just bow our heads and bow our hearts before the Lord. And if I could have some of the leaders come up here and help me pray, if you're not up here responding as well, just have you help me pray for people. Glory to God. Father, we come to you, Lord God, right now. And Lord God, we surrender to you everything that is within us. We submit everything that is within our hearts unto you, God. And today, Lord God, today, Heavenly Father, We step out of our boats, Lord God. We step out of our comfort zone. We step out, Lord God, unto you today. And Lord God, we say, we hear you saying, come. And Lord God, we want to follow you, Lord God. We want to obey you, Lord God. Lord, we want to walk with you, Lord Jesus. Father God, you see the hearts of my brothers and my sisters, my God, that are going through different hardships in their life, that are going through the trials of faith, my Lord, that they are overwhelmed by situations and circumstances. Lord God, I pray that you would give them the faith to stand firm, my God, that you would give them the faith Lord God, to know that while the storms are boisterous, Lord God, the Savior is before them, my Lord. Father God, let them know the power of your Spirit that is in operation in their lives, Lord God. Fill them with your power, Lord God. Fill them with your presence, my God. Use them as a light, my God. And Lord God, give them the comfort that they need. Give them the strength that they need, my God. Father, we rebuke the lies of the enemy, my God. We rebuke the deceptions of the enemy, Lord. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill these men, that you would fill these women with your power, God. Father, today, Lord, let your glory be revealed, my God, in each and every one of these lives, Lord. Let your power and your presence be revealed in each and every one of these lives, my God. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, my God, my God, today, Lord God, strengthen, my God, strengthen, my God. Father, give us the resolve, my God. Give us the resolve to stand firm, my Lord. Give us the resolve to continue to fight this good fight, my God. Oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, glorify your name. Glorify your name, Lord God. Oh, Lord God, we surrender to you, Lord Jesus. We surrender to you, Jesus. Come on, let us sing and worship as we continue to pray for those on the altar here. Come on, worship. I surrender. Yes. Yes, Jesus. To you. Oh, God. 
continue on Lord God I pray Heavenly Father for those that may not know you in this place Lord I pray that today 
that they would call upon you that today that you would deliver them from their sin and bring them into a relationship with you and Lord God lastly I pray for those that are in their seats that know that you are calling them my God and Father God for whatever reason Lord Jesus they didn't come out of their seats and Lord I just pray for them first that they would know that you're there you're still calling them that even when they walk out of these doors that you're calling them to walk in obedience so give them the strength to say yes to you my God and Lord I pray lastly for everyone on this altar Lord God Father that as we have responded to you to trust you as we have responded to you Lord God that we would step out and obey you Lord I pray that we would not think that it's over here, but that we would live this out when we leave this place. Give us the grace, give us the strength, and help us in our weak moments, Lord God, to stay focused on you. We thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' good name. Everybody.